Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Padula Neal. Sometimes the past is better left buried, and sometimes it comes back to haunt you. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week, we are looking back at the 2017 Luke Cage series, the first five issues of it, written by David F. Walker, with artwork by Nelson Blake II, colors by Mario Menzies, and covers by Raza that are just out of this world. So even before we get into the conversation about the book, we gotta, I gotta talk about the covers because I know you appreciate a good cover. These covers look like magazines. Yeah. They're so photorealistic. Yeah. And each one is taking elements from the story that's happening, but it's also just giving you like iconic looks. Mm. You're getting, you're getting a lot of your yellow, but you're just, he is so active. He's just, everything is clenched, ready to punch, ready to move, ready to defend. It is, these are covers that would make you stop, even if you'd never picked up a cage book before. Yeah, totally. And that issue five, what I liked is the little details to it is like it's, his fist is coming down on that house. But it's obviously his daughter made him a uh, a special bracelet because he's got the little bracelet that says daddy. And I thought, well, that's a nice little touch. You're not really talking about his family in this, but you include that to show that, yeah, he's, you know, that his daughter probably gave him that. It was nice. It was nice. But uh, yeah, this was the series that immediately followed, well, by a few months, the uh, Power Man and Iron Fist series that... Uh, that David F. Walker did in 2016 into 2017. So in the middle of 2017, the Luke Cage series started. And unlike the Power Man and Iron Fist, which was very like classic comics, buddy comedy, you know, we got a little bit of message, but we also got fun, fun action. This is a much darker take on uh, Luke Cage, but still keeping it in the comics realm. Like it isn't like, you know, something like uh, when Brian Azzarello did the whole gritty street gang Luke Cage story that in retrospect feels nothing like Luke Cage. And this one instead is like doing the let's take from his past, his origins and stuff, but really go down like this dark hero route and about the idea of something that we kind of talked about with dark blood about people not seeing your value as a human and just seeing you as an experiment and uh, really playing with that. But then it's set against this really simplistic kind of like cartoon style by Nelson Blake II, which is like, it's an odd contrast. You're talking about these really dark things, but the the actual designs are very like, almost like the, the 90s DC cartoons in a way. Yeah, especially the, the blue skinned, uh, version of how, uh, the experiments went. I don't want to say wrong. They're, they do have this narrative that, you know, Luke is the one good one or he's one of the good ones, if you Luke will. is the one who came out <laughs> the least scathed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But it, again, it's like, it's, it's that super soldier serum that, that monkey's paw gift with purchase. It, you have to be truly one of the righteous to take any variant of that serum and not come out completely messed up. Yeah, pretty much. And if you have any darkness in you, it's just going to amplify that. And uh, we see how different 
iterations, different attempts by this doctor have worked out. But ultimately, he's the real villain who keeps doing this over and over again to people and without fully disclosing. Uh, many of them are like hooked on maintenance drugs just to get through the day. The, the interesting uh, part I find is that when one of the so-called duds actually does kill someone, they have a real visceral reaction to that moment. And it's that moment of, well, is this a nature nurture situation? Are you one of the bad results or could you have been allegedly like as righteous as good as Luke ended up being, but because you were lumped in with the bad experiment results and thrown in the literal trash from in terms of society, that's how you ended up behaving. Yeah, no, that's, and that's kind of what the, the whole story is about. Like the story begins with Luke Cage finding out that Dr. Nora Brunstein, the, uh, the man that gave him his powers, the man who experimented on him while he was in prison is dead. And so he goes down to New Orleans for the funeral and finds out that Dr. Bernstein was uh, in uh, in cahoots with a, an eccentric millionaire who was having Bernstein run these experiments to, quote unquote, fix his son. And now that Luke Cage is there, this eccentric billionaire and the people he works with are trying to hunt down Luke Cage because they believe within his body is the secret to make the experiment, quote unquote, work. And so... This kind of opens up the can of worms of all the people that have been experimented on. And we get to meet some of them and how they're affected. And some of these guys, you know, they're just trying to, you know, stay alive. Some of these guys are actually messed up and want to hurt people and don't even know why they want to hurt people. But then there's some guys that are just like, we're just trying to live. We're not trying. We're trying to stay out of people's way and not hurt anybody. And this shit keeps coming back up. And then, of course, we find out that maybe Nora Bernstein isn't dead and that opens up another can of worms. And that leads to this really interesting little group of like all these hurt people. They're all hurt by the same person and how they react to the situation. And of course it's comics. So there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of stuff, but there's also some characters that like, again, like that, that one group of guys that got experimented on, they are really hurt by this situation and you can tell by the end of it that they and luke are kind of on the same page that it's like oh yeah this no birthday guy is a piece of shit why didn't we think about that before why have we been sitting him seeing him as like some guy we trust and stuff like that and some of them even see him as the father and stuff like that and it's like no no he's the reason why we're stuck in this mess like you were talking about before and it's that realization by the characters that I feel is really the driving force in the back half of the first story. Yeah. And, and Warhawk being so interested in the idea of family, but having no idea how to function in one. Mm. Just really wanting to be around the others like him as they are equal parts solving the mystery of what did or didn't happen to the doctor, but also uh, just causing chaos and shenanigans. But I mean, he does, you know, Luke is solid when Luke goes in a little too cocky and comes up against some women's, some weapons that have been especially designed to pierce unpierceable surfaces. Uh, their whole, like the good brother, bad brother kind of evil cane energy is, I do like that they feel like they're entirely in different comics almost. Like, yeah. 
Warhawk at one point, it's almost vampire level. Like he's just, he goes like full rage monster. We get like the black eyes and just the rip shirt. It's, it's third act of any action film. Yeah. And he's like the baddie and the good guy all in one. But he doesn't even realize because he's just like, he's only got one mode, which is attack. And Luke, like, trying to figure out what's going on, reason with people, protect people, but then also getting very frustrated and just wanting to crack skulls. So the two of them feeding off each other is, it is very, like, siblings who don't get along, but understand the other one, but they wish they didn't. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you brought up the, the, the weapons that could pierce Luke's skin. When they work and Luke bleeds for the first time since those experiments, which were, of course, were years ago, I really like how they played with like the shock of it all. They're like, he's, Luke is kind of taken aback and doesn't know exactly what to do at that, at this moment. Like in his mind, well, something like this will never happen. So, and then it does. And he is, it kind of fucks him up for a little bit takes him a bit to realize oh wait you know i gotta get past this sort of thing yeah but also helps him i think a little bit yeah because in the the back half he gets better at fighting defensively like we're seeing more elbows we're seeing more of like a kind of video game crouch defensive position before he's attacking where in the beginning it's just very sort of cocky Luke Cage just standing there like I just buy my shirts in bulk it's fine well, see, that's the thing. you bring up the shirts thing which I think is fun because of course as I mentioned the last series before this that uh, David F. Walker worked on was Power Man and Iron Fist and in issue two of that Luke is complaining about how his wife had just bought him this shirt and it got destroyed again because you all had to shoot at me. What the hell? And actually, for some reason, Spider-Woman is watching, yelling, take your shirt off, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but it's like, so he does that joke in this book and then he decides like in this series that it's like, yeah, because it's like the audience reads that and goes, well, why do you keep buying those, the same damn shirts, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can get shirts that will hold up to fire. You can wear a, you know, like a bulletproof vest. You know, the Fantastic Four, you could get, you know, uh, unstable molecules and to make you out of your clothes, all that sort of stuff. And so the beginning of this, he actually states that it's like, he buys insurance in bulk because he knows that if you're like some guy with a gun and you shoot at a guy and his shirt gets ripped apart, but there is not a mark on his skin, you're going to be afraid. And so it's like a tactic. It's a psychological thing. And so he just lives with all these destroyed shirts because of it. But it's just funny to me that it's just sort of like, it was like he, he was making the comment when all those fans were like, why doesn't he just buy a new, sh like, why does he buy shirts that he knows are going to get destroyed? It's like he, in this series, he decides, I'm going to give this answer, but I'm going to make it not a joke. I'm going to make it kind of like a, like a, I'm a badass kind of moment. Yeah. The psychological part of his approach to fighting. And also, you know what? I guess every Halloween gets two Swiss cheese. <laughs> Always has a costume. There you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we, we touched on it before. Nelson Blake II, the artist in this, he takes a very like kind of minimalist approach on this. Um, and I guess, I guess for me, because I'm just so used to seeing comics really dive into detail to see these, like everybody in this is kind of shiny in a way because it's just, here's the face, here's the body. 
There's no lines there. There's no age lines, nothing like that. And so I feel like the colors of Mario Menis does a lot of overtime in this. Like really has to make these this very kind of simplistic style pop, in my opinion. Well, even the the hideout for the sort of group of younger guys who'd been experimented on, it's... It's not like a dusty basement or like a back alley bar. It's, I mean, the space is, you know, there's some detritus or whatever, but it's lit from above. It's gorgeous. They look amazing. <laughs> the, <laughs> it looks like, is this a rooftop garden? Like, what's happening? Like, this, <laughs> this lighting story it's is. Like, I can fantastic. understand why you're hiding out here, fellas. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the one time, like, one of the, hench people wearing sunglasses inside makes sense it's like no sir i i understand why you're wearing sunglasses while you're wearing a wide brim hat right next to him it's a well-lit bright environment like it is it's crispy it's bright the the greens really pop there's a lot of greens happening i i wondered what they were hinting at all the way through i'm like is danny gonna show up it's giving like a little <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, it was just, I guess, to sort of offset. And especially you see a lot of the green more once Luke is stripped down and he's lost his last yellow shirt and he has to like take this loner top. Yeah. And him then, wearing the green shirt to me was kind of funny because it's just, it's like, he's the guy who stands next to the guy in green. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then the, the mystery chemical that all of the rest of them have been huffing. Like there's this whole room of like sort of it's giving like this green glow so you have that set off against like the blue of like evil like hologram order giving character and then um warhawk and the other bad babies that like it's funny like the 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 caucasian people that they're bad experiment they go blue but the black people are just like we're still just black like we're just we we look normal (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh it's it's interesting use of like not traditionally lukish colors Mm. to show that he's on a bit of like a side quest out of his element back to the origins before he got the og yellow shirt yeah yeah no i see that yeah definitely it's uh again it's a fun contrast to such a dark story to have such a vibrant looking comic and uh, I think because of that, again, also, I think because it's, you know, it takes place in New Orleans. When you think of New Orleans, you think of it like, you know, in more of its lush kind of look. It's always outside. It's lights, patios. It's, it's you know, in the fall, it's very, uh, very nice, bright colors, you know, that sort of feel. And so, yeah, so I guess setting it there really lends to this idea of like just these these colors jumping out at you. Yeah. And, and everybody's... I mean, except for during the fights, like the they're dressed well. Our femme fatale, who literally shows up at a funeral in a black dress, is she's looking crispy even after being like kidnapped and forced to try to recreate the the monster juice. Like maybe one or two hairs out of place, but it's we see the the dad uh, that wants to get uh, his experiment son tweaked. You know, he's always got his little vest on, tie done, collar up, like hair slicked back. It's very kind of interview with the vampire energy. Like, yes, it's a mess, but we're going to look good. Yeah. But that does remind me, even though this is a, a book that is dealing with a lot of more of a darker take on Luke Cage than the previous series, 
the beginning of the story where he uh, saves that girl who's being held for ransom, when he finds out that the guy is holding her for $5,000, that's a great thing. He's, like, He's like, really? Five thousand? If I had known this, I would have just given you $5,000 and had her come home. And then we wouldn't have had to do any of this. I didn't know you wanted that little of money. Honestly, in this economy, like literally that's a couple months rent if you're lucky in yeah. any of like the major cities. And yeah, and well, that's, they were in New York. So that's like, that might be a couple of days rent. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Overall, of course, like it's no surprise here. David F. Walker writes good Luke Cage. I knew that before I read this. And now that I've read it, it's confirmed again. Uh, always enjoyed David F. Walker work and, uh, I really like him writing Luke Cage. Um, so yeah, so I think, uh, of course this is available through Marvel Unlimited. In fact, the series goes on for just another, I believe, six issues. I think it's 11 issues in total. Of course, if you're looking up it on any apps or stuff like that, it gets confusing because it goes back to legacy numbering. So then suddenly it jumps from issue five to issue 170, I think. And so that's a little confusing. But uh, yeah, it was unfortunately another one of those series that uh, a year in 2018 that got uh, premature, prematurely canceled within under a year. Um, of course, it has nothing to do with the content; it just has to do with the marketing and sales of things, and you know, not putting faith in certain comics and creators, which you know is a shame. Uh, but yeah, you can read all 11 issues uh, available on Marvel Unlimited and, you know, you can probably track them down somewhere at uh, your local comic shop. If you dig through some bins, uh, cause it's not that old a book. Um, I think it's worth a read. How about you? Absolutely. And it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And of course those covers, oh my gosh, great covers. Um, so yeah, so definitely check it out. We reached the end of another episode of back. You should blow Petula. Where can the good folks find you? At inatif.com on social things at obesacantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekard. Follow me on Instagram at andrew underscore of underscore geek underscore hard. You can find this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath. We post the new episode there every week. But the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And, uh, you know, just uh, enjoy your comics, read your comics. Maybe uh, next time you go to the comic shop, sport a yellow or a green shirt and, uh, you know, maybe tell tell the owner of the shop there, hey, if you listen to Back Issue Bloodbath, you'd, probably, you'd really enjoy it. You would. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I'm Tony. Have yourself a good... <laughs>